Welcome to the Engineering Career Conversations. I'm Krista Downey, Director of the Engineering Career Center at Cornell University. And I'm Tracy Nathans-Kelly, Director of the Engineering Communications Program. We are excited to bring you this forum where we will host lively conversations that we hope will inspire you. Joining us today is Elida Similgil, CEO and co-founder of Loom Organic Robotics. Welcome, Elida. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to have you here today. Can you please start by telling us about your current work? So at Loom, we used to be called Organic Robotics. That's why we kind of refer to both names still. But at Loom, we make stretchable fiber optic sensors that we call light lace and integrate them into different form factors, different textiles to measure human performance metrics. So those range from anything from vitals like respiration to more biomechanics like motion capture and muscle fatigue. We would love to hear more about how your your product or what your company is trying to do, how it is distinct from anything else that's going on right now in the marketplace. So our stretchable fiber optics are soft and stretchable, as you can tell from the name, but they can sense things without requiring skin contact. So for example, our chest straps, you do not have to place them on your um, on your skin. You can wear them over your clothing. And it's really the only technology with that form factor that can measure the waveform of your respiration instead of just outputting a rate. So we can tell if you're breathing shallower or if you're breathing deeper, we can tell how long each breath cycle is, how long each duration and each exhalation is. And also our sensors are fiber optic based, so they don't have a lot of the limitations that other electronics based sensors have. For example, we can sample at really high speeds. That's important when you're doing high-speed motions, like as a pitcher, if you're moving your shoulder really fast, you want to make sure that you are capturing information fast enough to get all the single data points instead of downsampling like other products do. Also, we can use one pod, which has our battery, to power multiple sensors. So we can place that pod centrally instead of having to place different pods all over the places you want to measure things. So let's say you have a shirt, you can put a pod all the way on the back and sense your arms, sense your hips, everything, instead of having to put a pod on your elbow, on your shoulder, on your chest. So it's really makes it more comfortable for the user, no skin contact, more information than any other sensor can do, and it's less bulky than everything else. Perfect. That was awesome. You started your company as an undergraduate. You're a few years out of school, and I think our audience would love to hear, how did you find yourself leading a company directly after undergrad? So the technology is something I was working on my senior year in the lab as an undergrad, and to be completely honest, I didn't think I'd be starting a company or joining a startup um, when I graduated. I was looking for jobs for a while, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had a lot of question marks in terms of what kind of job or what kind of company I wanted to work for. The only thing I really knew and was set on was I wanted to make something innovative that can have an impact on people. 
and something that I can touch and feel. So I knew I didn't want to make cars, work on making cars or airplanes, like larger things. I wanted to make something that can fit in my hands. But I also didn't want to, again, just work on my computer. I wanted to make something tangible. Those were the two things that I knew I was set on. But apart from that, I was very agnostic in terms of um, the opportunity or the type of product that I wanted to work on. So I was looking for jobs for a while, and the company was spin out, um, and they were trying to apply these sensors to different applications. So I got in touch with my co-founder, who was, again, figuring out different applications for the sensors, and he asked me to join. I had a lot of doubts at first, not about the company, but about myself and whether I had what it takes to run a company, because I was, again, just straight out of undergrad. It felt very risky, but then I thought, if I don't do this now, if I try to do this 20 years from now, it's going to be more difficult because I'll have a lot more responsibility. So it sounded like it's time to take the risk. And it um, it checked the two boxes that I had, something innovative, something tangible, and it was something I worked on before. So I finally said yes, and we started working on it. And three and a half years, or maybe more, still here. It's such a unique a company that you've got going here with with what is involved in, in what you're making. So we were curious about what a typical day looks like for you. Yeah, so we have a pretty large theme now. We're almost around 10 people, half of us remote, half of us work in person. So each day looks different, especially on my end, because some days, like today, I'm going to be on meetings literally all day. And the meetings are sometimes with investors, sometimes with customers, sometimes with um, my other team members. So some days I'm just on the Zoom all day. Some days I'm traveling to show the people what we're doing, show customers what we're doing, show investors what we're doing. And some days we're just working all together in the lab or in the office and we usually start our days at around nine. We'll have a company, full company meeting, just catch up what everyone's going to do. If people have questions or need help from each other, we facilitate that, make sure we have a plan for the day. And then we kick off the day by starting to work on things that we discussed that morning. And a lot of times there's a lot of Zooms as well, because like I said, half of our team is remote. So people need to talk to each other pretty often. Usually there are a bunch of tests that we have to do every day. So sometimes that means just testing things to make sure they work. Sometimes it's more like validation or um, validation studies or comparison studies with our devices compared to other devices. Sometimes it's just assembling things, but it's always innovative because there's always a problem and there's always like five solutions that can solve that. So then we have to make a plan of which solution do we start with first, which will get us to the end result first. So it's hard to really say what each day looks like because it's always different, but I think that's what everyone likes. It's not for everyone, but for the people that are in our team, that's, I think, the main reason they like working um, with Loom or at Loom. So thinking about all of these teams and the atypical days that you tend to have <laughs> along the way, um, I wanted to stretch out the vision a little bit here. What is the long-term vision for your company? 
So right now we have two products that we're working on, a chest strap and a shirt for measuring different biometrics in a different form factor. We're focused on professional athletes, but our long-term goal is to have average consumer who cares about their health and wellness or their fitness to be able to use the devices and still find value out of it as well. But in the long term, we see not only shirts and chest straps, but we see kind of a lineup of different form factors. So it could be shirts, socks, leggings, chest straps, really anything that you can think of that uses our sensors. So as a user, you have the option to say, I do more leg workouts, so I'm going to start with the legging or I'm going to go swimming, so I need a swimsuit that has these sensors. But our long-term goal is, yeah, having a lineup of different wearables that are all powered by our unique technology. I think the whole endeavor is just so fascinating. <laughs> so thank you for kind of outlining what that is. What is the most significant challenge you've faced in your work and how did you overcome it? There are a few and I think my answer <laughs> probably changes every other month because something new comes up. When we first started, it was finding the right team and that's hard to do when you don't have a lot of investment in the company yet because not in terms of just financial reasons, but it's hard to convince someone that there is a potential for the company when there may not be a lot of investment yet. So it was hard to filter out people who are in it for the long term, but who also meet the culture goals that we had and obviously each company has a different culture and everyone has a different character, but finding like a set of characteristics that we are looking for was difficult, especially we started around the pandemic. So it was all Zoom. And for the first a year or two, some people we've never met in person. And there are still people in our team that have never met each other in person, even though they're on Zoom all day. So that was the first challenge. And then the other one was... I think a little personal in that I did not feel as confident as I should be because it's not something I haven't done before and it includes a lot of rejections and no's. So that would be, let's say we apply to contracts, grants, pitch competitions or pitch to investors and there are more no's than yeses. So that was pretty challenging to just keep going without losing hope or losing confidence in myself. But then once you get your first yes, the next yeses come a lot faster. And then you go back to the cycle before where it's no's again. But after I got a couple yeses, I think that's when I felt a lot more confident um, that people are also taking me seriously, taking the company seriously and see that I have what it takes to lead it and our team has what it takes to take this to the market. So that was one of the other challenges. And then... The other thing is kind of just minor in that I studied engineering, so I obviously didn't have enough knowledge and how to do things like finance, accounting, HR. And it's not something really a lot of startup founders talk about, that they have to do all that by themselves because they can't afford to hire, let's say, an HR person or an accountant at first, at the first like few months. So learning those was challenging, not because it was hard to learn, but because I didn't know what I had to learn. And I didn't really have any guidance on like someone telling me, you need to use this software to do accounting. You need to use this one to do HR. You need to do this to offer benefits and what those meant. Also, 
because I didn't grow up here, I didn't exactly know what those look like um, mm. in terms of like retirement plans or health insurance. Those were very new to me because I didn't see my parents doing it because they don't live here. So that was another challenge, but <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> what resources were you able to tap into that supported you in developing this knowledge about all these benefit packages and the accounting and HR and then the leadership, how, how to be an effective leader and manage a team of 10 people. What's your support network look like? Yeah, I think our advisors and the groups that we're part of at Cornell, like we're part of Praxis Incubator, our advisors and mentors through there, as well as our independent advisors helped a lot. And how we found our advisors that are out of that are not part of the Praxis Incubator was actually just looking at Cornell alumni through LinkedIn. And we would say, okay, we need an advisor in, let's say, finance. So we would just search for startup finance Cornell alumni on LinkedIn. And pretty much everyone that I reached out to replied. I think Cornell really has that network where alumni want to help, um, well, let's say older alumni want to help younger alumni or there's that network. So once we had that network of alumni advisors as well as our Praxis mentors, that really helped speed things up because they would be like, why don't you talk to this person who can tell you how to do this? Why don't you talk to that person who can maybe help you or guide you on what next steps you have to take on marketing or things like that? So I would say just like our advisors and mentors. Excellent. And so I have another question about that. So you were doing research. You knew uh, what type of work you wanted to do. And as you thought about becoming an entrepreneur, what was the first step in sorting out what the resources were and getting involved in some way in that ecosystem here at Cornell? So my co-founder had some experience with the Cornell ecosystem, so he kind of guided me through it. We did have to go through applications, like we had to apply to Praxis, but they were very helpful throughout the application process. They told us what we need to work on, what we need to fix, how we need to present ourselves. So he had some experience with that, and I actually, even though I didn't know that I was going to be an entrepreneur at the time, I did take... I did, my, I did a minor in entrepreneurship at Cornell. So I was a little familiar with the ecosystem in terms of the programs that Cornell offers as well as people who are involved with because a lot of the instructors for my classes were actually involved in those ecosystems. Um, just they would talk a lot about like the ecosystem at Ithaca, Cornell, Cornell Tech. So I would say I didn't, just go from like zero to a hundred. I had some background in terms of what everything looked like. But yeah. Excellent. I'm, I'm going to pull us back out to uh, the bigger picture. We were talking a few minutes ago about the company vision and impact. And let's loop that into even beyond your company vision. But how does your work contribute to a healthier, more equitable, or more sustainable world? Yeah, our devices, especially our chest wrap, which is going to be our first um, commercially launched product, 
can measure your breathing waveform and duration and inhalations and exhalation. So controlling your breathing actually helps you decrease your blood pressure, decrease your stress level, improve your wellness. And it's not something that you necessarily have to wear all the time, but you can kind of wear it to learn how to do breath work and how to calm yourself. So I think in the long term, people having access to not just meditation apps or wellness apps, but having a device that can actually give them feedback on how they can improve their breathing, which can really have a huge impact on your health and wellness, is going to be really um, game-changing. So I would say that's the first one. And then the long-term, our products have applications in medical, like health, medical, clinical applications too. It's not something we're focusing on right now because it's a lot more complicated than just making a sports or wellness product. But in the long term, I do see it having an impact that way too. And our devices, well, obviously we haven't decided on an exact pricing level yet, but it would be affordable enough for everyone to, not everyone, but most people to be able to get a hold on and use and try and improve their health. I think it's just such a fascinating premise, right? Helping people do their own breath work and getting both data and guidance at the same time. It's it's a lovely vision. With that, um, what organizations or collaborators were important in developing this this vision that you have? We participated in a couple different programs. So like I said, we are part of the incubator here that gives us access to a lot of mentors. We've also done some national programs like NSF's i program, which helped us hone in on customer discovery, kind of understand not only the needs of the customer, but also just how to do market research, what to focus on, how to do analysis on customer acquisition costs or cost of goods sold, those metrics that I wasn't very, very familiar with before. So that's another resource that we use a lot. And we are also doing some studies with strength and conditioning department here at Cornell, just giving them some devices for them to test and provide us feedback with. So those, I would say, are the main ones, but there are definitely a lot more. We participated in some accelerators around the area as well. And in the earlier stages, we were looking more into partnering with larger companies. And then we decided to pause on that for a while before and prove ourselves first and then maybe go back to those decisions. But we had a lot of interest from large companies as well, which was exciting and confidence building too to see that, oh, like a company of thousands of people is interested in technology that we're working on that made this, I think, feel a lot more confident and exciting, excited about the product. Along those lines, while you have the audience, is there anything else you want us to know about your company? I think one thing that sets us apart from majority of the wearable companies or wearable device companies out there is that Unlike others, we make our own sensors so we can tune them to measure different things and we can play around with their sensitivity, their durability and all that instead of buying an off-the-shelf sensor and only running our own unique signal processing algorithms. We do both. That's challenging because we do both hardware and software, but it also gives us a big advantage in that 
we can really tune it however we want because we make it from non-existent thing to a sensor so we make everything ourselves I think that's one thing that people miss sometimes is that we're more than just a wearable company we are we make sensors that have an impact through wearables it's such fascinating work uh thank you for explaining that to those of us who are new um now where do you go that you find to be the most fruitful to stay current on what's going on in other companies or, you know, new inventions coming up in the patent office or wherever it is you go to get new information? This might be a little controversial, but I use LinkedIn a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like my social media. I just love scrolling through it because I don't only see what people that I'm connected with post, but what they also click like on or they comment on. And that way I get to see a lot of um, different articles about what's coming out or people's opinions. People write like a whole page about what they thought about this specific technology. So I really like going through LinkedIn for those. And then sometimes I check Twitter for that as well. Um, Like just different venture capitalists. It's also kind of funny because it's a lot less formal than LinkedIn. So it's also kind of funny to scroll through that. And then when I really want specific information about different companies or what, like how much they're raising, um, how many employees they have or what patents they have, I use PitchBook for that. Mm. But my go-to is usually LinkedIn. Like you, I find LinkedIn to be very fruitful if you if you control your newsfeed well enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so let's rewind a little bit. Let's think about when you were a sophomore and deciding what you were going to do with your degree. What do you wish you knew when you were a sophomore that you now know? Yeah, I think back at the, back when I was a sophomore, I didn't know that there were so many startups around Ithaca that I could even intern as a sophomore. We're actually, I know this, we're in May now, so for people who are watching it later, but we are about to have a student intern join us for the summer who's a sophomore. And we're really excited to have her work on a couple different projects and also see you know, how training goes for her, how much she likes it, and just learn from her while also teaching her. So I didn't know at the time that was really an option for sophomores. Um, I think if I knew that, I would have liked to be part of a couple startups, not only to just learn the engineering side, but also see how a small organization is led, how chaotic it is, and how fun it is. (laughs) So that's one thing I wish I knew. And other than that, just being an international student, knowing that it is possible to start a company. There are some, obviously, rules behind that, things you can do, things you can't do, but it is legally possible to do that. I think knowing that would be helpful. And also seeing other founders that are straight out of undergrad, um, like people in their early 20s building companies that are not just not just the overhyped ones, you know, you have these five that are get to raise $100 million and they're all over the news, but smaller ones that are local or that are around the area that are trying to start something from scratch. I think seeing that would have, would have helped see that it would be possible for me too. Um, but yeah, those, 
those would be the three main things. Excellent. You're quite busy. This is all a lot. And you're doing it well. And so what do you do to relax, have fun, or re-energize? I hang out with my dog a lot. <laughs> Love it. When I'm tired, I just cuddle him and <laughs> ask him to stay calm, and then we just lay down. But I also like ice skating, which I don't do as often anymore. But whenever I do, I feel so much better. Just like skating on the rink, not necessarily trying I do also jumps and stuff, but not necessarily doing those, but just feeling like I'm gliding through the ice makes me feel really relaxed. But yeah, those two I would say. And I also read. I Sometimes I'll go through periods where I read a lot of books and then I'll have a few months where I don't at all. So it's kind of like all over the place. There will be weeks I want to read a lot and I do that and I really enjoy it. And then weeks that I feel really lazy, even though I like reading, that I don't do it often. But those would be the three main ones. I wanted to say really quickly, I have a dear and close relative, and she loves to ice skate. Her job was very, very hectic and demanding. And every day she would leave and go ice skate because she said, when you're ice skating, that's all you can be doing. <laughs> you have to stay upright or else you're going to hurt yourself. Right? And it's peaceful, even if there's loud music, but it's very much a get out of your head and into your surroundings moment. And she recommends it every time we talk. <laughs> so I think that that's a lovely, lovely option. Yeah, you can. I feel like if you want it, you can make it into a workout. And if you don't, you can make it into a relaxing thing. I usually like doing it as a relaxing um, hobby instead of a workout. But that part is also fun. Great. I also love ice skating, but not that I, I can't do the twists and turns and jumps and all of that. <laughs> love it. Uh, so if you were not doing this work right now, what would you be doing? And which is closest to what you dreamed of when you were a child? My dreams changed a lot when I was a child. But at least after college, what I wanted to do was something, like I said, something tangible, something innovative, where I feel like my ideas matter. They may not always be the best ideas, but just having a say and feeling comfortable enough to say my opinions, that's something. That's what I would want to do. Maybe something in consumer electronics. I'm not sure, but I know that I would want probably a smaller company or a smaller team and a large company and something tangible, something hardware, but with software components as well. But hopefully I don't have to find that out. So, <laughs> Excellent. Yes. I hope that this success that you've found in this work continues and that we can follow along and see this product all over the place and uh, hear more about it. Maybe bring you back later <laughs> to hear more. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was pretty fun. Thank you for listening. If you are enjoying these conversations, please follow, rate, and review on your favorite platform. Join us for the next episode where we will be celebrating excellence and innovation among engineers whose impact contributes to a healthier, more equitable, and more sustainable world.